My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. This is your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with Cassie Owens. Uh, she is the owner and operator of Cassie Owens & Associate, which is a private therapy practice in Dunwoody, Georgia. Welcome, Cassie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited to climb through your practice today. We were talking off the record, Cassie and I, and um, I, I really, what uh, the niche populations that she services within her business, Cassie Owens & Associates, is a uh, very near and dear to what we do with Patricia Kathleen podcast and a lot of our causes. I will read a quick bio on Cassie, but before I do that, let me offer everyone a roadmap for today's podcast so that you know in advance. It's following the same trajectory as all of the podcasts in this series. We will first look at Cassie's academic background and early professional life. Then we'll turn our attention towards unpacking Cassie Owens and Associates. Um, we'll get into the logistics of who, what, when, where, why, how, and then we'll climb into some of the more philosophical ethos of behind the company and, like I said, the, um, the populations and areas that they specialize in. And then we'll turn our attention towards goals that Cassie may have for Cassie Owens and Associates and um, any other endeavor that she's working on for the next few years. We'll wrap everything up with advice that Cassie may have for those of you who are looking to get in touch with her or perhaps emulate some of what she's done with her business success. Um, a quick bio on Cassie before I start um, onslaughting her with questions. Cassie Owens is the owner and operator of Cassie Owens and Associates, a private therapy practice in Dunwoody, Georgia. Cassie is a licensed professional counselor with a specialty and certification in maternal mental health and a focus on serving the needs of all women. With over 15 years of clinical, working, you know, clinical experience working with individual clients, Cassie also supervises and oversees two other talented associate therapists in her practice. Collectively, they ac accommodate the needs of all women through a combination of impersonal, virtual, and walk and talk sessions. As an expert in maternal mental health, Kathy is, Cassie is experienced in training other clinicians, birth workers, and healthcare providers on the topic of uh, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Cassie is an advisor to the Georgia chapter of Postpartum Support International, PSI G, um, Georgia, and is committed to helping increase awareness and lessen the stigma of maternal mental health throughout Georgia. 
Cassie hopes that all women will have access to treatment when they need it most. So Cassie, I really do want to get into, I'm excited to kind of unearth your practice and explain it to people out there. But before we do that, can you paint us a brief picture of your academic background and early professional life following that? Yeah, so um, I, back in the late 90s, I was at Clemson University um, in Clemson, South Carolina, and graduated with a degree in psychology and minor in health science. So even at that time, I was interested in working with people. I knew that I, I was wanted something in the helping profession. Um, and while I was at Clemson, I was a student athlete tutor and mentor. So I was really able to help the athletes um, on an on an individual level, um, working with their study skills as, as well as helping them prepare for, you know, in the classroom and on the field. So it was a very unique and awesome experience. Um, after graduation, I moved back home to New Jersey and started a master's program in social work at Rutgers University, uh, where I stayed for about a semester and realized that that program, that just wasn't speaking to me. It was more about policy and social work rather than counseling and therapy. So I, in my early 20s, was like, okay, out of here, and moved back south to Atlanta because being that I went to Clemson, I had a lot of friends move from Clemson to Atlanta. So mm -hmm. early 20s was just figuring it out, living on my own, and after some odd jobs in marketing, advertising, waiting tables, at about 24, even though that's still pretty young, I was like, okay, I'm ready to like, move on with my career. And so that's when I started at Argosy in a master's of professional counseling. Um, and that program was awesome. Um, I learned a lot about counseling, therapy, skills, and it was, it was exactly what I, what I needed to be doing. Um, and then after graduation, really for the first five years was working as a, as a therapist, I worked with children. So very different than what I do now. Um, and my first job was at an advocacy center where they a nonprofit organization and they focused on working with children who had been abused um, so it was a very it was a heavy work uh, but it was such a great experience i had supervisors that were so very talented and very interested in developing me as a clinician by taking me to trainings and providing in-depth supervision um, and I really feel like that was the start of me becoming a therapist. I did mm. a lot of trauma work. I little, did a lot of um, working with anxiety, depression, because with trauma comes all of these other things. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like that, would, that laid the groundwork for me being interested in just therapy in general. Um, did that for a few years. And then as you can imagine, like that's heavy work. And I was like, okay, I need to do something else. Yeah. So I moved to a community mental health center, but unfortunately, because they knew my background, they wanted me to see all the trauma and yeah. abuse. So it, it was still a great experience. And those colleagues, even though that's been 14 years ago, I'm still really close with them because they were great mentors. I had some really great leaders. Um, so it, I still think it was a great experience. And then it was while I was working there that I gave birth to my first, first child in 2007 and uh, realized that, okay, I might need a break from working with kids yeah. um, at this time. Absolutely. And yeah, so stayed home with him for a little bit and, and before 
his first birthday, I was pregnant with my daughter, my second child. And during that pregnancy, I decided I need to work. I really like my work. It's very valuable and important to me. So I started in private practice and that was the first time where I really realized, okay, well, what do I do? What does that mean? I don't want to have a boss. I want to be able to write my own hours. I want to be able to um, do my own thing, but also do what I love and what I'm passionate about. So I was pregnant, but then just kind of started, you know, making contacts and realizing that if I want to work with children, then how do I get those children to find me? Mm -hmm. And back then as I had a baby, so I was going to the pediatrician. So I started talking to her and that was very eye-opening. I'm like, oh, okay, you're a pediatrician. You work with a lot of moms. So let me tell you what I do. And that was my first kind of taste of, I got to talk about myself and what I do. And, and I have to be my own salesperson. Right. Um, Interesting. So, Cause nobody pictures that for, I mean, it's, I think it's the last thing that someone going into yeah. any type of mental health field pictures is the, is the marketing aspect when you do, if you do go out onto your own, I'm guessing. Yeah. So for the first um, few positions that you were mentioning and um, particularly the ones that had the, the, the intensive trainings and the things that you got endeavored yeah. with, I'm assuming that those were social welfare, um, Medicare like scenarios where they were paid for by the state or were they privately funded? So the first one was privately funded. Um, and so in that job, any reported case of abuse would go to child abuse, would go to the, um, the children's unit of the, the, the detectives, um, Crimes Against Children's unit. They were in our same building. So mm -hmm. we worked very closely with them. Um, so that's kind of how that worked. And that was paid for, our agency was nonprofit. Um, there was a lot of grant work and things behind the scenes that I wasn't aware of. I was just you know working as a therapist. Okay. So I was lucky to work with people of all different backgrounds. And then in community mental health, that was um, uh, very much more like Medicaid um, type of clients. Right. Absolutely. And I know that there are a ton of different systems out there. In fact, I know enough to know yeah. that I don't know enough about them, but yeah, um, yeah. the burnout rate, I mean, just to kind of loosely translate when you, when you sure. briefly touch upon trauma and things like that, there are certain professions that have a, a, like a kind of general burnout rate where it's just the, the characteristics of the job are so mentally or physically taxing. Someone only lasts yes. a certain amount of time. Is that true in the field that you were in in particular and dealing with the children? Yeah, I think so. And it's funny because I look back at some of these websites just to see who was working and like nobody when I worked there is still there now um, or that I recognized. And I think, you know, trauma is very, it is taxing and it's hard and it's hard to hear these stories and, you know, your mind can only, my mind can only take so much. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I left that job. Um and as you mm -hmm. developed this, so you're, I'm sorry, you were, so you were coming out, you were having your second child, you realized you yes. wanted to work and you needed to start marketing yourself. Um, yes. and you, were, you were thinking that you still wanted to work with children. So how did you leap? How did you make that connection? Did you just start drawing out for everyone your own personal story as to what you were and who you were becoming as a therapist? So I think I know, are you asking me how I made the leap to private practice or how I made the leap to where, what I'm doing right now? Cause it's how almost you, about the same time. <laughs> how, how you made the leap to private practice and okay. or where you are yeah. right now. Yeah. So I, 
you know, I, my son was like a year and I was expecting. So I knew that the reality of me working in a, uh, for um, a community mental health agency or some type of agency working 40 hours a week, that's, that wasn't going to happen for me because um, working in community mental health, you don't make enough money to then pay for daycare for two children. Mm -hmm. um, or you could, but you'd just be bringing home a very little amount. So, um, and we were fortunate enough to not have to be in that position to worry about it. So um, I, I knew I wasn't going to work full time. And I, and, and I always had envisioned from the first start that I would want to do some type of private practice. I just didn't know in my eyes what that would look like. So here I am pregnant with a second baby, and but I'm like, I gotta work, I gotta use my brain. So I was able to um, find office space close by my house and I subletted um, an office for one or two days a week. I started going to pediatricians in my neighborhood and just kind of telling them who I am, what my experience is, you know, nice. and, and just kind of, you know, old school, door to door. Yeah. So, salesperson. Um, so, and I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I'm as a therapist in graduate school, you don't learn how to run a business, right? We don't learn that. We don't learn. How do you, how do you market yourself? How do you tell people what you do? Um, how do you get clients? Like there's no course for that. There should be, but there's not. Um, so it was kind of a slow process and I, and I was, you know, I had two little kids, so I wasn't lurking, looking to work a ton, but I was getting referrals. So I was like, okay, this is working. This is good. And, and then five or six months into that, I had my second child. She came um, five weeks early. She was in the NICU for a while. And it was then that I experienced my own postpartum depression and anxiety um, after um, she was born. And that was something that was unfamiliar to me. I did not have a history of depression and anxiety. And I was kind of, you know, like hit like a ton of bricks and mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting it. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. What is this? Um, and it took me a while to figure out, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. Um, I did go to my doctor. I did, you know, ask for help. I did, um, get on medication. But as you said, there weren't a lot of therapists. It wasn't really talked about back then um, as much as it is now, or I feel yeah. it is now because it's my world. Well, no, and we were, I have to tell our audience, um, Cassie and I were talking uh, prior to getting on the podcast and um, a little bit, and I was explaining that when I started uh, my journey with parenthood, it was 2005 and people like Brooke Shields were just kind of breaking open the conversation yes. about yeah. postpartum and taking down some yes. of that stigma and yeah. um, really serving as a voice. And so, um, and I, I do feel like there is a, 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 a wealth of information now, you know, even the Royals are talking about some of their yes. issues. We have this yes. open, more open dialogue, but it wasn't very long ago, not like 12, 13 years ago that you yeah. couldn't even find too many books on it, you know, and certainly no one was talking about it with between girlfriends and things of that nature. So um, it is interesting to see it like arrive as your, you know, as your career started to, to blossom, you are this um, yeah. flagship, if you will, of this yeah. kind of movement. I'm wondering now, um, I know that there are a lot of indexes, web indexes online for people who are seeking 
um, very niche, like specialized medical care. Do you know, because you started prior to that, when you were Mm -hmm. still doing grassroots efforts, like, you know, knocking on people's doors, Yes. uh, how, like, when was the advent of some of those indexes and do you find them to be useful as they stand right now? And I'm not even sure what I'm referring to. I just know of a few out there and some insurance companies do it now as well, but like, there's just, um, there's certain sites that you can go to that have therapists in your location, what sure. plans they take, like all those filters sure. applied. When did those kind of come onto the scene? That's a good question. I mean, I would say within the last, I don't know, maybe like, I'm trying to think. I, so when I started hardcore, it was probably 2010 and it was, it was not then. It was probably in the last maybe five years ish. Yeah. Um, because so after my daughter's born and I'm going through my own, you know, stuff, I remember the exact place I was sitting on my couch and at the same time, I'm going to backtrack for one second at the same time, my husband and I were talking about my career and we were talking about if I continue to work with children, what is that going to look like? That's going to look like I'm going to work. I'm going to see kids after they go to school, right? Like, so most parents are going to take their children out of school for therapy appointments. They choose to make them after school hours. So that would mean I would be work. My kids would go to school, come home, and then I would go to work. Right. And as my husband and I are talking through this, I kind of had a panic attack thinking like, okay, no, I want to be here when my kids come home from school. This is So that was a separate conversation as I'm also experiencing some depression, anxiety, then go to my couch where I'm sitting and I'm thinking, this is so, I feel so terrible. Um, And I remember I said, I feel so terrible. You know what? But when I'm not here, this is exactly who I want to work with. And it was that moment that I knew like, I want to work with me when I'm not feeling like me. And, and that's how, um, that's how everything kind of shifted gears and my focus changed, um, from that moment on, um, I was like, this is what I want to do. I love working with women. Um, even when I was working with children, I was working with their parents and I felt very, it was very easy to connect with women and adults. So it was that point on that I shifted focus and gears and started to think about, I'm going to work with women. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and so that was back in, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so did you find that, I mean, you had to re-network again. I know that there's some cross-pollination, but yes. going back in and speaking with everyone from midwives to, you know, communities of pregnant women, I mean, just that reaching back into a whole nother pool, it's um, it's interesting. It sounds a little exhausting. Did you had you collected skills in your first time around that you reemployed when you went back into this new kind of specialization? Yeah. Well, it's been interesting that you asked the, uh, the prior question about the internet and where you can search for therapists because at that time, I asked my brother-in-law's brother about search engine optimization. I said, "Okay, how can we make my website?" How can people find my website? And so he did a search and he put all these terms in and he said, Cassie, nobody's searching for this. I mean, he gave me a number of like, I don't know, I'm going to make it up like a million or 2 million, which I thought was a lot. And he's like, this is nothing. Nobody's searching for this. It would kind of be a waste of your money to pay me or a company to help you promote this. Wow. So uh, yeah, so that was eye opening. So I said, okay, well back to door, door to door. And I really, 
I think as a therapist, it's nice when you can meet a doctor and you can have a face-to-face -face relationship with them so they know when they're talking to their patients, oh, I met Cassie, yeah, totally, you should go, go see her. If she can't help you, she, she, she knows someone who will because mm -hmm. they've met me and they've seen my face. And I think as a therapist and trying to find someone to work with a patient, that's, that's meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's one of those areas that is, is wildly face-to-face -face or um, even virtually, you know, I wonder, yes. so you, you kind of mentioned this like soft launch into this moonlighting and then there was a quick yes. switch of um, specialization and area of focus. When did you start just doing the gentle subletting soft launch of this space? Can you give us a year? Was it 2008? So I would, so um, 2008, nine, I was in one space. And then 2010, after I really decided I'm going to switch gears, I actually moved offices. Um, and I would say between 2010, and 2012, I spent a lot of time refocusing, rebranding, um, relearning, went to a lot of trainings and conferences. I was introduced to postpartum support international, went to their two day conference. And it was there that I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with their organization, but their whole mission is to promote awareness, treatment and prevention. Um, for mental health issues related to childbearing and basically so you know women know that this is a thing they're aware of it and we can bridge the gap between women and providers so everyone can have access to help and support yeah absolutely so, and it feels like some of the schools were being developed as you know as you were doing it I mean, there yes, are organizations yeah. that aren't that old, you know, that deal with uh, with postpartum, even people that hadn't really approached it directly, like L the La Leche League back in the day, you know, that was like one yes, of the main areas yeah, of female yeah. information. I'm talking about 2005 when I started family. Um, and yes. even they didn't have a huge area of, of emphasis or specialization and they were able, they were equipped to deal with it and they did take like a survey, but it wasn't a huge topic. And I think now I know that group in particular has a massive, you know, reference for um, dealing with uh, postpartum um, depression and just just looking at different issues from baby blues too. And I noticed your site does this really beautifully too, because I think there are still a lot of terms that are muddied with people not necessarily defining their terms. And I like that you're on your website, you get into the difference, it was kind of the gentle differences between what are the baby blues and things that tend to dissipate naturally after four weeks, as opposed to things that can kind of carry on and become um, a, a little bit stronger. And I do want to climb into that. I want to, so you've established your niche. Yeah, you're starting yeah. to go into some of these organizations. Yes. You're per penetrating those areas. And then yes. you go to build your particular yes. practice. There's still a ton of areas that you could kind practice. of hit on. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of areas you could still choose to specialize in within the, the niche mm -hmm. that you're looking at. And I'm wondering how you kind of decided what areas you particularly would tackle and then how you chose to bring on other associates and how they differentiate between you? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I mean, I uh, so started working with women. I knew that that's where I wanted to be. And in the earlier days I had on my website, like postpartum depression, um, postpartum anxiety. When I started getting more referrals from women who lived far away, like were coming to see me 
and they were driving an hour and a half, I realized, okay, wow, there's a real need here. Like there Mm -hmm. is a need to help more women who are experiencing depression, anxiety, postpartum. Um, So then I met up, I, I, I met some colleagues here in Atlanta who do very similar work. There's only a a few of us. And that was really nice to have people who are doing similar work. Okay. We have goals and, and visions. And, um, I just think it was out of this great need more, the more clients that were coming, I'm realizing, okay, I just need to keep doing this work. Mm -hmm. So to kind of fast forward, it wasn't until 2017 when I was approached by my first intern who said, I want to intern with you. And I think at that time I had, you know, five years of a lot of experience. I had a lot of relationships with OBGYNs who, you know, it was started with the grassroots effort, then maintained with like, you know, visits kind of like a, like a, like a farm rep, you know, people who are selling drugs, I'll go into there and just like, Hey, how are you doing? This is what's new. This is what's going on. This is new research. This is uh, what's going on in my practice. Sometimes I had groups. Other times I, um, you know, I was, this is another thing that I did was founding, um, I helped to found the Georgia chapter of PSI. Um, so my name was out there and then I started speaking for different organizations, doing some trainings, some advanced trainings. Um, so 2017, Melissa approaches me and says, um, I want to talk to you about possibly doing an internship with you. And now in private practice, I, it's hard to guarantee someone X amount of hours that you have mm-hmm. to get at a, as a master's level intern. However, she also knew of Elizabeth O'Brien, a colleague of mine, and she said, what if I split time between both practices? And actually that was a fabulous idea because not only can we give her those hours, Elizabeth and I are um, clinicians who do very similar work, but we have different styles. So she was able to learn from both of us. Um, So that started 2017. She graduated in 2018. Um, and then she started working for me and working from Elizabeth, you know, she had clients during her internship and we just kept growing her as a clinician. Um, and then spring of 2018 had another intern, you know, find us and say, you know, potential intern. And she said, I'm really interested in your practice, sat down and talked with her. So we kind of did the same thing and splitting her time between myself and another practice and things were busy and we were getting referrals. So then I was able to open a second office. Um, not an, I have a, I'm in a suite with four offices. And so I have two of them now. Um, and so that was really exciting just to have enough clients coming in the door that we could, we needed more space. Yeah, absolutely. So that was I mean, in and 2018. Yeah. Having your talent approach you as well sounds kind of dreamy. You know, it's the whole if, if you build it, they will come. Totally dreamy. That's fantastic. Yes. I mean, to be yeah. pitched by yeah. somebody, I think is is awesome. A large part of like most um, young businesses' growth is like hiring and hiring well. There's like day long seminars yeah. about like hire, hire well, fire, yes. fire fast, like all of these different things. And so to have this talent <laughs> kind of find you out and approach you and take all of that out is awesome. So it sounds like your growth has been pretty um, exponential over the past, like past four years. Uh, Do you foresee that continuing? 
do you have like, so let's look at goals. I don't know if, if therapists yeah. do the same goals as like the rest of like business America was advised to these one to three projections, but yeah. it is also a business. It's therapy yeah, and it's, it's a, a business. business. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering what your goals look like for um, growth or maintaining or branding or any other changes like that for the next one to three years. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so as I said, I'm in a suite of four offices. One just became available. So I'm planning on snagging that one, having another intern start in the fall. Um, and I think that I would like to hire someone part-time who works, who does a little bit of, of different, has a different skill set than I do. Because I think you mentioned what do my, my associates have. So both of my associates were my interns. Um, what they brought to the table is one, one of my associates has a background in advertising and marketing and she's really good at graphics. So if I need something fun or cool, she can design it and we can hand it out because I cannot do any of that. It's like Word document. Um, <laughs> my other associate has a background in, you know, very, she was uh, in, the, in the corporate world for many, many years and has works with high execs in, in corporate. So she can really speak to those women. She really understands kind of the stress that they're under in corporate America. So I think it's cool to have those two women in my practice who have the same specialty, but different backgrounds. So they bring a different yeah. level of experience. Um, and so I hope to grow maybe just by adding another therapist or two, um, widening our uh, offerings in terms of maybe a little bit more couples and a little bit of trauma, but I really love the work that I do. So I know when some people talk about growth, they, they're thinking they want to do less clinical work and they want to oversee more. Um, but I really like the one-on-one, -on -one. Mm. you know, I just, I really enjoy it. I love, you know, in this specialty working in this field, the one thing that is awesome is that when women are coming in with postpartum depression or anxiety, they will get better, they will feel better. And I can say that to them with confidence. And it's not like it's me, I mean, part of it's me, but not all of it's just it's me, it's just the, the nature of what it is. And I get to see that, and that's so rewarding, is to see them come in, um, if their life was a puzzle, their pieces are everywhere. And then, you know, week by week, it's like one puzzle pieces in and in and they're, it's coming together Yeah. Um, and they feel better. So I enjoy that work. So I like to maintain slash grow a little bit, of course. Um, I love to do teachings and trainings. I've done a lot of that over the last, I would say like four years. Um, now that this is more of a, a thing and a field, uh, I've done some advanced trainings for clinicians so they can really understand the ins and outs of maternal mental health. Because you can do the basic training, but then, okay, what is it like working with women in session? And really kind of diving into some anxiety, OCD pieces that you don't get at the general trainings. And how do you work with that? And what does that look like? Yeah. So I enjoy, and, when, and I enjoy speaking on maternal mental health. 
Yeah. And I, I think that um, it's voices like yours that have been there for, you know, 15 years that need to be the ones um, most spoken to um, and with. I'm wondering with the advent of the current times and um, in fact, just this morning, PBS NewsHour, I yeah. suppose it was released last night. I watch it in the morning. So, but um, there was a piece on um, pregnant women and, um, and, and, and a couple of postpartum individuals that were really uh, like the levels of anxiety were raised due to COVID-19. And I'm wondering a couple of things, given that this is, you know, the, a recent story that was just done in your field, but also um, I wonder if it will change. How many of your clients did you see virtually prior to COVID, if any? And do you think that some of them that have switched to this virtual therapy will stay on this format, thereby changing what your like plans for new client acquisition look like? You know, I don't know. I was only seeing, I wasn't really seeing any virtual clients. I always have that as an option. So like once in a while, someone would say, I can't get in. Can we do a, can we do a video? Okay, fine. I like to see the clients in person and they like coming in. Sometimes they like coming in because they're not bringing their baby and they need that break. Um, other times um, it's good for them to bring in their baby because I can point out some things therapeutically as they're holding their baby or taking care of their baby that they don't see. Hmm. Um, so I prefer in person. It could mean that this is going to be a, more integrated into the practice. And I'm okay with that uh, because I know that there are other platforms that only use video therapy. And my sister is a therapist and she only does online therapy. Yeah. So it opens you know, it up. We'll I think and I think you're right. reach to different people across the nation, you know, and as more people yeah. tap into, um, I think it's, it's nice to have that kind of international, if you will, even global reach, um, for therapies. But I, I was curious about that. Um, do you think that with the next, like with some of the anxiety, will we see a change in, um, either techniques used to handle, you know, some of the issues that um, postpartum or some of the other um, illnesses that you treat. Do you think we'll see a change with either the tools that we're using or um, these kinds of piggybacking? You know, there's in, in postpartum, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's all of these different elements, right? Like a puzzle okay. piece. And I'm just wondering if, if there will be different um, things employed when you have something like a pandemic that requires everyone to socially isolate. Will there be an, I, I, I'm thinking I'm right now, I get, I, in my head, what I'm thinking is someone creating a new, a creative endeavor for more tools, like more psychological tools mm -hmm. due to the mm -hmm. fact that we're in this very rare climate. Yeah. I mean, I have been saying over and over again to clients, you know, so much is unpredictable and so much we don't know. So it's hard to even, I mean, talking with a client who's about to give birth and not knowing what the hospital is going to be like because the rules are changing every day. I mean, mm -hmm. the one thing that's consistent, I mean, you're asking about what's gonna change is that I, I just have to validate their emotions of being scared, worried, anxious, because this is such a, um, a weird time. You know, yeah. it is weird, so it is okay to have all of those emotions. But I think it is going back to reminding people to focus on the things that they can control um, and that could be like, okay, maybe I can't watch as much news if that's too much input. Um, I can control the social media. I can control 
um, how kind I am to myself. So it's almost like going back to some of the basics is gonna be most helpful because with the pandemic and, and this crazy time, there's so much that's unpredictable and unknown. And that's what spikes the anxiety because most people are right. anxious when they're uncertain or they don't know something. So this is adding fuel to a lot of people's fire. Um, so really trying to dial everything down is helpful. Um, Absolutely. And reminding them that th that being anxious, being worried, being scared um, during this time is normal because this is a normal response for an abnormal time, and this is an abnormal time. Absolutely, yeah. I agree. And there's a, there is a certain amount instead of you know fighting it. I think of of honoring that kind of yes. fear that everyone has. There's a natural level of anxiety that if you deny it, it only exacerbates the situation. Exactly. So, um, exactly. I'm wondering if we, if if someone walked up to you because you have this interesting um, career where you defined it and then kind of redefined it and re-specialized it in, in involved in this interpersonal dialogue where you sat down with yourself, your mate, you know, mm -hmm. you guys had this conversation. So you've had this yeah. really interesting growth, and now you've built this business that's flourishing by all um, measures. If someone walked up to you tomorrow, another woman or a female identified non-binary individual and said, listen, I really love what you've done with your life. And um, mm -hmm. I myself am just starting off on this journey. I think I'm gonna go into um, a private practice eventually, but I'm not sure how to get there. Mm -hmm. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual knowing what you know now? Um, number one, I would say you can do it. And I say that because so many people in um, in master's degree programs, professors will say, you can't do this. Don't try to go into private practice right away. You can't, you can't, you can't. Huh. I would say you can. <clears throat> I would say it is helpful to um, have a specialty or an interest that you're passionate about or can really empathize with. <clears throat> oh gosh, what would be number three? Um, Number three, you can do it, you have a specialty, and um, I would say, oh my gosh. Let me ask you this. What do you yeah. tell yourself to make yourself feel better when things feel a little bit overwhelming or um, a little chaotic in your business, in your day-to-day -day life? Like, do you have a mantra that you return to that kind of brings you a sense of peace and clarity? Um, I mean, it's funny when I said you can do it because I have a bracelet um, that it has my information on it for when I run. And my little tagline is you can do it. Like you can do it. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, just really instilling confidence in someone that if they, if they have a goal um, and they have a passion that they can do it and I can help them. And I, and I've had people come to me with that. How can I do this? You know how, and I think it, the marketing piece is the one piece a lot of therapists um, have problems with. Maybe they're not good at, um, selling themselves. Maybe they don't feel comfortable walking to an office. So it's finding a way that they can use their skills and their strengths so people will know about them. Because the whole thing is getting people to know what you do and that you're good at it. Yeah. I love that part of your uh, three-pronged advice is 
telling um, anyone who approached you that you were able to help them? That's, it's, it's the first time I've yeah. ever asked that question that you've included oh, yourself yeah. in that scenario, in that individual's future. <laughs> you know? It's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, because I feel like, why not share that? Of course. Um, I think it's really, uh, it's really a, an important way to give back is to say like, I did this, you can do this and I will give you, all, I will tell you exactly what I've done. So you can do that in your own way. Absolutely. Anyone who hoards knowledge is draconian. Um, so I've got, yes. you can do it. Um, it's helpful to have a specialty or a niche or a special interest. And the third one is um, your passion can and will drive your goal and um, you're willing to help them, which is yes. awesome. I love <laughs> yes. it. Um, for everyone who needs to, uh, would like to get involved or um, check you out online, can you uh, list your website for us? Sure. It is uh, www.postpartumatlanta.com. Perfect. And um, for anyone who's looking to contact Cassie or one of her associates, you can jump on. The website has got a lot of information and actually a lot of um, other places to check. If you're looking for resources, mm -hmm. she's got a tab for all of those pieces of information um, and just some really general terms and things like that that I found helpful. Cassie, I want to wrap everything up today by saying thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I know yeah. you're really busy and I just appreciate during this time, especially um, for you taking the time to speak with me and let our audience yeah. glean some of your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. For everyone listening, we've been talking with Cassie Owens. She's the owner and operator of Cassie Owens and Associates. You can find her online. And until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte.